morning and welcome to worship here at Central Baptist Church. Uh, we are so glad that you are with us and we are also glad that the winds and the rains have ceased for the day so that we could be together this morning. If you're visiting with us this morning, uh, I'd like to invite you to take an information card out of the pew in front of you and fill it out so that we can give you more information about who we are and ways that you can be involved. You can put that into the offering plate later in the service or you can stop by our sign-up table on your way out and put it into the black box uh, sitting on that table. We have now begun our season of, of Epiphany. It's a bridge between our seasons of Advent and Lent, but it is also a time for us to sit with the stories of Jesus' identity, as well as to grapple with our own. I found a short poem this week that illustrates just that feeling. It's that moment when the pieces of the puzzle all combine and you see a glorious picture that you doubted that you'd find. And then after, when the pieces are inspected, each with care, you see purpose and see meaning each too valuable to spare. This morning, may we examine each of those pieces of God's work in our lives with such care. Let us worship God together.
Good morning. Could you please stand and join me to the call of worship? God, give us your love of justice and righteousness. Help us to the poor, to rescue the children of the needy, and to bring honor against all oppression. Call your people to pray. May all be blessed through those who bring you praise. Because you, O God, are a God of love, who establishes justice and teaches us righteousness. Praise your name forever. Let the whole world be filled with your glory. Amen. Please join me in prayer. O oh God, we speak this morning of justice and righteousness, of defending the poor and rescuing the needy. Stir us, O oh God, from words to inspiration to action. Open our eyes to see each day the opportunities, both large and small, that we have to make a difference for others and give us the compassion and the courage to act regardless of obstacles or discomfort. Make us instruments of your peace. We pray this in the name of the Prince of Peace. Amen. Now please turn to one another and share the peace of Christ.
I invite you to join with me now for our litany of spiritual practice. When all was darkness, God created light and called it good. The people who once lived in darkness have been given a great light. Christ be our light. Shine in the darkness. In the Sundays that are preparing us to move toward Lent, which occurs this year, the first Sunday of March, we will be spending a little bit of time reviewing spiritual practices, ways in which we can live into Lent with greater fulfillment and meaning. That indeed, if the world outside of us is becoming more unstable, it behooves us to try to build a deeper stability within our inward life with God. That if the waves are crashing, it's helpful for us to find an anchor. Or as some in southern climates are prone to do when they hear about a forecast of a storm, they reinforce the shutters and prepare the passageways. We too must find ourselves as Christian people preparing this inner life with God and allowing God to breathe God's presence more fully inside of us. So today's task is perhaps the most basic. And because it is so simple and so common, And so every day, it is also the task that we take most for granted. For today, we are focused on the power of focused breathing. To be aware of the breath that we draw in and the breath that we release into the world. That we will take some time in the quietness of our own prayer reflection to focus on our breath and to recognize what an incredible gift we have been given every moment of every day. Are you ready to practice? So here's how we will do this. We will focus on breathing in to a count of five, allowing our lungs to fill up with as much air as possible, and then rest as we breathe through our noses in and then breathe out through our mouths. Again, for a count of five. To repeat that cycle again and again and again. You can close your eyes if you want. If you're a little uncertain about your neighbor, you can keep your eyes open. Are you ready? Inhale, four, three, Two, one, rest. Exhale, four, three, two, one, rest. Inhale, four, three, two, one, rest. Exhale, four, three, two, one, rest. Keep doing that. Breathing deeply in, resting when your breath is full, 
breathing out through your mouth, allowing the air to escape, slowly resting, breathing in again and out again. Now, those of you that have been serious in these few moments to do that, you may have had your heart rate go down. Your blood pressure may have also gone down. You have filled your, the, the oxygenization in your blood with this wonderful gift, this, this free air. You have helped your cells regenerate. Perhaps you have reduced a little bit of your stress or your anxiety. The spiritual masters have called this the, the silent self-preparation that is necessary for all great spiritual endeavors. But you don't have to have a great task before you just to recognize the, the importance of slowly focusing on your breath. Just one minute a day can make a powerful difference. Sometimes when I practice focused breathing, I'm thinking of the goodness and grace that God may provide and seeking to bring that in. And then all the other negativity, all the other difficulty of life, just to let that escape and, and, and leave my body through my breath. Yes, I know it's dangerous to talk about this on a Sunday morning, that some of you may fall asleep, that maybe you need more rest for your weary bones. And I'm also aware that when we sit quietly, patiently, persistently with ourselves, that we can change how we react to all the demands that are around us. So, maybe when you're sitting at a light on Nicholsville Road, you can keep your eyes open, focus on your breathing. Or maybe when you get home at night before you get out of the car after a busy day and you walk into your house, you can focus for a moment on your breathing. Perhaps you would start your day or before you eat your lunch, or any time you might find a need to sit patiently in the peace of God and breathe. Each one of us started life with a gulp full of air. And we who seek after God will find the birth of our spiritual lives breathing. While we're all relaxed, <laughs> here's our Hebrew scriptures for today. Here's my servant whom I uphold, my chosen, and whom my soul delights. I've put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break and a dimly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint 
or be crushed until he's established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his teaching. Thus says God, the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people upon it and spirit to those who walk in, in it. I am the Lord, I have called you in righteousness. I have taken you by the hand and kept you. I have given you as a covenant to the people, a light to the nations to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name, my glory I give to no other, nor my praise to idols. See, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. For the word of God that works his way into us, thanks, thanks be to God. Let's pray, please, shall we? Dear God, if it is, in fact, a chief end of our lives to glorify you, we pray, God, that we will take that call, that charge, that necessity very seriously, that we glorify you not just when we're here in church or not just when we're around others, but when we're alone or when we're tempted to not glorify you, when we're tempted to let our lesser selves out in all places, in all times, and in all ways, even now in this time of giving, we pray, God, that our actions will reflect our hearts, and our hearts will be filled with your glory. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Please be seated.
Our Christian witness today is found in the 10th chapter of the Gospel of Acts, which is the continuation of the Gospel story begun by Luke and the Gospel of Luke and now continued in the life of the church through the blessing of the Holy Spirit. Acts 10, beginning in verse 34. Then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears God and does what is right is acceptable to God. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John announced how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, how he went about doing good and healing. All those who were oppressed by the devil for God was with Jesus. We are witnesses to all that he did both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and allowed him to appear not only to those who were chosen as God's witness and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. For the word of God that works its way into us.
2020 has gotten off to quite a stormy start. For us, overnight, high winds, for some, tornadoes, but still not as bad as the weather event that has now gut-punched Puerto Rico again, a place in least need of it with a devastating earthquake. Australia, now in their summer, a country with roughly the same land mass as the continental United States or the whole of Europe, is literally on fire with now an estimated 500 to 750 million animals gone. We've been led to the brink of another Middle Eastern war with tragically collateral damage visited not upon a military unit, but upon a domestic passenger jet with 170 souls on board, all lost. Not to mention the persistent and growing refugee crisis, the breakdown of Western alliances and the rise of ethnic nationalism and the ever-present dominance of autocratic oligarchy and the growing disparity between the hyper-wealthy and the desperately poor. And we may be wondering, where is God? Or even, is there still a God upon whom we still may call? If you are a person of a certain faith, you may be tempted to believe it's the end of the world. The unfolding of a great series of calamities as foretold in scriptures as precursors to the grand and final Armageddon, where the final curtain falls and all time ceases to be. Or as I am more persuaded to believe, we are being brought through something difficult for us to fathom, a time of transition from the shape of a 500-plus-year history of white European patriarchy now passing away to whatever new and emergent and murky that lies ahead in the future. All birth pangs that we feel severely and hopefully leading to a new reality a dawning of a completely new age of human adaptation and transformation. Until then, I find the lament on my lips and heart of Psalm 42. My tears have been my food day and night, while all day long they say to me, Where now is your God? I invite, you, I invite you to consider for our focus today this person that we know as St. Peter, the Apostle Peter, and revisit all the things that you may know about him and remember about his life from the Gospels through the story in Acts. His name at birth was originally Simon, but he was renamed by Jesus, becoming a key leader 
of his renewal movement of forgiveness and healing. And Simon seems to be a man of considerable volatility, making you wonder if his new name of Peter, Petros in Greek meaning the rock, was given to him more by way of a hope and a prayer than any clear description of his true essence and character. Reborn in Christ, he still had a lot of growing up to do. We first notice his impulsiveness when he sees Jesus walking upon the waves, believing he too can rise above the waters. He dives in only to vividly foreshadow his life of faith not really thinking it through before jumping and starting to sink through poor preparation and needing again and again and again to be rescued. Revealed in Matthew and Mark's gospel, no sooner was his confession out of his lips that Jesus Christ is the Lord, the Messiah, that he starts a dust-up with this very Jesus about the nature of Jesus' mission. Now, how can you say to someone, you are my Lord in one breath, only to question the nature of his lordship in the next? Up and down like a yo-yo, more rocky than rock, this Peter. Or that fateful night, celebrating the Last Supper, Peter pledges with all his heart how he would never, ever, ever deny Jesus, but does so just a few hours later, not once, but once and twice and three total times. Have you ever tried to give someone the benefit of the doubt? Have you ever judged someone by thinking, I don't, I'm not going to think about what they say, but what they do? Well, Peter does not measure up very well. But what he does that seems to betray almost everything he says. And yet, we count him as foundational to our Christian experience. Let that set in for a moment. Let that sink in. This patron forerunner of what Christian faith, life in Christ, is to look like. And now here we are, all the way up to Acts 10. It's long after Jesus' teachings and his arrest and death and blessed resurrection. After he's restored Peter back into the fellowship and called him again into service, the Holy Spirit has been given, the great Jerusalem church has begun, and we still notice in Peter a man hard to describe as abounding in graciousness and understanding. He stands up to authority, faces imprisonment, roots out corruption in the church, has a fierce argument with Paul, about what it takes to be a Christian, an argument that seems glossed over a bit by Luke. And, by the way, 
an argument that Paul's perspective wins out in the end. And in this conflict that we read about in chapter 15, we are aware how Peter was influenced by the events of today's passage of verse 34 and what comes before it. Just how far and wide and reaching is this story of the acceptance of God through forgiveness in Christ and what Christ has done through the power of the Holy Spirit. It is good news. Good news so good, it's hard for us to practice. God is for us. And God is for all those not like us. We're fine with the good news. If I can accept it for me. But is it the good news for my neighbor? I think all of this tells me just how deeply ingrained is the power of prejudice. How our perceptions about those who are different than us is reinforced by confusion and fear and misunderstandings and misinterpretations and past histories so stubbornly entrenched by our past and by those who have come before us that it takes years, decades, even centuries to cleanse. Peter is not an example of perfection. He is a far more realistic picture of what life in Christ is like. A constantly evolving follower who bounces back and forth between failure and restoration of messing up and rising up, of being bound by the stale taste of ignorance and prejudice, only to be pushed by the Spirit of God to a broader proclamation of love and appreciation for the most unlikely of neighbors. Verse 34 is Peter's moment of insight, a powerful proclamation here in the city of Caesarea, echoing that earlier confession on the hillside of Caesarea Philippi when he said, Jesus, you are the Christ. He now says in Christ, this time I truly understand that God shows no favoritism in dealing with people. It is a moment of personal enlightenment and social awakening. God cares for the other as much as I hope and pray God cares for me. So what is God for? God is for the poor and the disadvantaged and the marginalized and the lost and the lonely and the forgotten. What is God for? God is for the orphan, the gay kid who's been rejected by her parents. God is for the widow and the single mom who has been rejected and abandoned. What is God for? God is for the person who lives on the edges who feels oppressed, who feels a weight of history. 
and no liberation. What is God for? God is for our spiritual progress, however long it takes, into a wide expression of forgiveness, a fairer demonstration of inclusion and welcome, a more realistic assessment of our limitations, and a determination to persistently confront the shameful parts of our past. What is God for? God is for us. Now looking at so many problems around us, not for them to defeat us, but to sincerely challenge us to take the hand of Christ and rise up to the crisis of these moments and the facing of this critical hour. Now is our time for the church. In the yo-yo experience of failure, to also be restored. Now is the time for you, the people of Christ, to remember you're probably going to make some mistakes. You may put your foot in your mouth. You may bumble along the way. But it's no time to sit back with arms folded and waiting for someone else to step forward. The invitation is not for perfection. The invitation is the messiness of love and the boldness in which we plan to proclaim it. Adapting from the sayings of the Desert Fathers, the story is recorded. A brother came to see Abba Pomen and said to him, Abba, I have so many worries and thoughts rising up in my mind all the time and they just put me in danger. The old man led him outside. It was one of those crisp and clear winter's nights where the stars shine glimmering like diamonds against a cloth of black velvet. The wise Abba said, now fill up your lungs without breathing in. What? He said, I can't do that. Then the old man said to him, if you cannot do that, no more can you prevent dangerous and dark worries and thoughts from arising in you. But you can face them. And you can conquer them. We may be afraid, but we are not to be controlled by our fear. We may be confused but we don't need to be limited by our confusion. <laughs> we may not see clearly how it's all going to work out. But thankfully, wouldn't you agree? We are not in charge of the big picture. That's beyond not only my pay grade, but everyone's pay grade on earth. I'm only in charge of this much. How much am I willing to love, to forgive, to serve, to let go of myself for God? For there's a lot to do. So let's do it. A wonderful traditional hymn is now before us. 
about peace that rolls like a river, a grand flowing stream that God has invited us to dive into without reservation, that we would be a part of this saving, transforming, uplifting, and wonderful story, that there is good news for us to share, good news for others to hear. May your words be words of love. May your effervescence be one of forgiveness. May your power be emboldened by the Spirit of Christ who helps you break out of all those fears and worries to your neighbor who can be a friend. Let us stand and sing hymn 840.
We're so glad that you joined us here for worship this morning. Thank you so much for being a part uh, of our worship and our gathering here. We have just a few announcements before we go. You'll find uh, on the insert of your news and notes a few things that are happening this week. Uh, this Wednesday evening resumes our Wednesday fellowship meals, uh, which begin at 545 with a meal that's $5. And after that, uh, beginning this month, once a month, Mark will be doing a, uh, a series on uh, different biographies this month, uh, Martin Luther King Jr., and you'll see a list of some others that will be happening uh, as we discuss that and focus on persons uh, in our history who are important to our faith and important to, uh, to our heritage as well. So uh, that will be going on this week. Uh, we'll also notice on Thursday there's a writer's workshop. If you like to write, uh, if you want to try to write, if you want to get together with some people who are trying to figure out uh, how this works, uh, then come and join us and hang out. Uh, it's a great time. Uh, it's an encouraging and beautiful group to get to, uh, to, to work on our writing together. Also, you'll notice an inclement weather uh, notice, our policy, which I don't know. Who knows what's going to happen when you walk out of here, what it's going to be like. But should Fayette County Schools be, uh, uh, be canceled uh, for on a Wednesday, we'll also cancel our Wednesday evening activities. Just be aware of that. Uh, also on Sundays, we seldom cancel services. But if we do, we'll always send out that announcement via our newsletter. So if you'd like to know more about what's going on and stay up to date, then we encourage you to sign up for our mailing list and our newsletter so that we can uh, get you that important information as well. So thank you all again for being here. It's always beautiful to get to be in the midst of your presence, to be surrounded by folks we know who are uh, welcoming and loving and accepting of all of us and to get to take a deep breath together this morning and be in the presence of God. Now, if you would receive this benediction as we go. Now, when you lift your eyes to see the steep mountain ahead, remember the Creator walks with you. When you look upon the shadowed valley below, remember the shepherd at your side. And when you behold the promise that lies before you, do not fear, for the breath of God is in you, and in your sisters, and in your brothers, and in your siblings, to bring you to a land of peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Amen.